Good morning. Welcome to Okotoks Calvary Fellowship. Thank you for joining us as we study through God's Word. Okay. If you guys want to get back in your seats, I'm always glad that I write the scripture out ahead of time um, on in my notes as well. So if I need to ever hold on to a mic, I can put my Bible down and I can read it from my notes, which I'll have to do this morning just because we're having a little bit of a, a feedback issue. Is that bothersome to you guys? Is that okay? <clears throat> well, well, turn with me in your Bibles to First um, Peter chapter two. It's easy to find First Peter because it's the book right before Second Peter, and right after James. So it's actually towards the end of the New Testament there. And this morning we're going to be doing something a little bit different for our kickoff service. Is we're going to postpone our ongoing study in the book of Mark for one week. And we're just going to look at a special one-off message, especially designed for today. And I've entitled this message, Church, A Place for Growth. Now... We all know that growing is a part of living. Anything that has life is expected to grow. This is just part of the normal process. And we've seen that in our own lives, from the moment of conception, once the egg is fertilized, it forms a single 46-chromosome cell called a zygote. And then that zygote divides and it multiplies and it divides and multiplies. And at some point, it implants in the uterine wall and there it continues to grow and grow. And after about 15 days, it becomes an embryonic disc. And over the next six weeks, limbs will develop and a brain and vertebrae, eyes and nose. And in the womb, that little baby grows daily, fed by the placenta, which is the blood supply that comes through the umbilical cord until finally, at about the 39 to 40 week range, typically, the baby is born. But once that baby is delivered, that's not the end of growth. In fact, it's just the beginning, and there's several stages of growth. There's the toddler stage. Then there's the childhood stage. Then there's adolescence and the teenage years where it has been clinically proven that the brain actually stops developing during those years. But I'm kidding, of course. But finally, there is the adult stage. And somewhere in early adulthood, somewhere in the 20s, the human being reaches its peak potential in development. In other words, it's as good as it will get in terms of physical ability, muscle strength, reaction time, sensory ability, cardiac function. All these things reach their peak development somewhere in the 20s, and it is immediately after that time that we begin that slow decline. And sometimes it 
speeds up as you get older. And my friends, our spiritual life has many similarities to this. We have what I would call the gestation period. A seed gets planted in our soul. A person hears the truth. The Holy Spirit waters that seed. And conviction comes to that person. And then they start desiring things to change in their lives. They seek forgiveness of their sin. They seek purpose and meaning in their lives. And at some point in that process, there comes a day of regeneration. Now, the Bible calls this regeneration the new birth, or we become born again. And that is when a person decides, I'm going to follow Jesus. And from that point on, the growth is continual. It's a process that we call sanctification. So we grow and we develop, but unlike in the physical realm, where we actually reach a peak in our development... In our spiritual lives, we continue to grow. We continue to develop. We continue to mature as the years go by. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 tells us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And my friends, that's what God wants for all of us. He wants us to keep growing. He wants us to keep maturing until we reach maturity. And that is what the church is for. The church is to be a place for growth. And just like the key to our physical growth is proper nutrition, in the spiritual realm, we also need to have proper nutrition to grow. And can anybody tell me where we get that nutrition in the spiritual realm? Hold it up if you've got it. God's Word. It's the Word of God. So spiritually speaking, you are what you eat. Which leads us beautifully into our text this morning, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. It says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, we notice that the first word in verse 1 is the word, therefore. And when we see that word, we always know that it means that it's summarizing what was before. So just for context, let's quickly flip back to 1 Peter 1. And I'm just going to read verses 22 to 25, and we'll see how this is all strung together. It says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because, and then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, he says, all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. 
Now, this is the word by the gospel that was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy. Okay? So we're now confronted then with a question is, what are we feeding on? What are you feeding on personally that will determine how you are growing? And what I want to do this morning is show you three ways to grow. And these are three pretty basic ways to grow. But the first one is remember your first bite. The second is avoid junk food. And the third one is to eat the good stuff. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And that really sums up the entire passage here. So let's begin. Remember your first bite. Now, when I teach from this passage, I like to begin at verse 3, and you'll see why in a moment. It says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The entire thought of these verses, the entire thought of this passage is predicated on one single word, if. It's a presupposition. It's a subjunctive. If this is true, then this should also be true. It could also be translated, since you have tasted. So since you have tasted, or if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, then put aside the bad stuff and feed on the good stuff. And friends, that really encapsulates the entire message this morning. But look at verse 3 here again. It says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. It's very important that we get this point because the word tasted here is a metaphor for experience or to experience something. In other words, you already know this is true because you have personally experienced this. It wasn't that somebody told you that this was true. It wasn't that some preacher said it was true. You know it because you have actually tasted it for yourself. King David wrote in Psalm 34, verse 8, he said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Friends, have you tasted the goodness of God for yourself? It's pretty awesome, right? To experience the burden of your sin being lifted from your shoulders to have your own guilt and sin cleansed, to have new hope and a new purpose, to experience joy, you know, the joy of your new life and your new salvation. And once you've tasted of the goodness of God, there really is no going back. You know, I'm not much into desserts myself. I'm definitely a meat and potatoes kind of guy. But my wife, Tracy, here makes the most amazing cheesecake. And I will tell you, she makes it with this graham cracker, butter-type crust, and it is just out-of-this-world good. 
Now, she doesn't make it as often as she used to before, for obvious reasons. But I will tell you, when she does make it, it is extremely dangerous for me. Because once you've tasted that, you will go back for more and more. It's just that good. Well, friends, it's the same way with Jesus, but in a far, far greater way than dessert. Because once you've truly tasted of the goodness of Jesus, you're spoiled forever. But it is important for you to taste it for yourself and to remember that first bite. Well, the second way for us to grow is to avoid junk food. And that is essentially what we see here in verse 1. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. So what is Peter doing here? He's reminding them of their old way of life, their old way of thinking. He's reminding them of all the sins that they were delivered from. He's reminding them of the diet that they used to consume before Christ. And there were five things that they used to feed on. And friends, it's so easy for us when we're accused of something that we didn't do or when we're being persecuted or maligned unjustly or unjustly because it's then that we're tempted to revert back to our old way of behaving before Christ. We're tempted to become bitter and angry and full of malice and full of strife. And what Peter is telling us is that we need to put these things aside. We need to recognize that these things will ruin our spiritual appetite. So I'm going to tell you a true personal story that happened to me. And it may gross you out a little bit, but it's done intentionally. Several years ago, I was eating in a very nice restaurant in Vancouver. I'm not going to tell you where. If you want to know, come ask me afterwards. But as is customary for me, I had ordered a steak of some kind. And it came with a Caesar salad appetizer to begin with. Well, the salad arrives and it's covered with that, you know how they do it, right? Those fresh slivers of Parmesan on top of it. And it just looks so good. Well, I stuck my fork in with great anticipation and I took my first bite. And as my teeth came down, I bit into something hard. And I looked at it and it was a piece of fingernail. Now, as lovely as that salad looked, there was no way I could finish it after that. Could you? I called the waiter over. I sent it back. I mean, I had completely lost my appetite. I didn't want it anymore. That's a serious yuck. So think of it this way. Since you've now tasted of God's goodness, God's goodness is like that appetizer, that salad. It's delicious, 
But now I want you to think, and I want you to forever think, of these things that we found in verse 1 as fingernails in your salad. These are things that you don't want in your meal ever. Hands up anyone who wants fingernails in their salad. Oh, look at the hands go up. No, these are things that you want to get rid of because they're like five relational or horizontal sins that will poison your life. They will stunt your spiritual growth. They will spoil any appetite that you have for the good stuff, which is the Word of God. Well, let's quickly look at each of these fingernails, so to speak. The first one we have is malice. And malice is just another word for evil. A better translation may be ill will. It's a bad attitude that spills over into bad words and bad actions. And when ill will comes out in words or deeds, it quenches your spiritual appetite. Well, second of all, we have deceit. And the word in the Greek for deceit literally means to bait a hook. And any of you fishermen out there understand this terminology. Because each and every one of you fishermen is lying and being deceitful to those poor fish. So essentially, deceit is when you lie or admit truth to get your own way. Or to manipulate somebody in order to gain a personal advantage. Well, third is hypocrisy. And the Greek word for hypocrite literally means an actor on a stage. And the actors that wear these masks, right, and they'd have these depictions of smile or anger or all the different emotions. And they, the, so these actors, um, you know, and so what they were basically doing is that they're, you're just playing a role. You're playing a part. It means to pretend. It means to be something that you're not. And friends, our world is full of posers. Full of actors playing a role. I mean, how often on social media do we see that? Every day. People showing you how they want to be perceived, not as how they are. They're trying to create a character, create a, an identity for themselves. And we see people who are impersonating police officers or doctors or lawyers. We see people calling our homes. Like how often do you get calls at home, people pretending to be government officials and you owe money. But to me, the saddest thing is people posing as followers of Jesus Christ. Yet they do not follow the Jesus of the Bible. They don't follow God as He revealed Himself in His Word, the Bible. And many of them have become like Paul warned us of in Romans 1.25 because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And we know that there is nothing that takes 
our appetite away more than someone who says one thing with their mouth while living completely opposite with their life, right? There's nothing that grates us more than that. And so Peter tells us to put that aside. Well, the fourth thing that it said here is envy. And most of us don't think about envy as being problematic. You know, we want something, we desire something, we think certain things about life and and about people that could be considered envious, but we really don't think it's bad until we're found out. And it's been said that envy is the last sin a Christian will confess because it's so ugly. Envy is jealousy of the success of others. Or it's joy in the misfortune of others. And that is the kind of attitude that poisons our soul. And it is a fingernail that must be rejected. Well, finally, we have slander. Whereas it says in our passage, all evil speaking. It means to speak down to or to speak down on someone else. Things like gossip or backbiting or passing on rumors taking cheap shots or sending drive-by criticisms of other people. But friends, are you aware that you can slander another person without even using words? Our facial expressions, our body language can also cast dispersions on another person. But here's the thing. When we forget our first bite, when we forget the goodness of God, when we forget His kindness towards us, when we forget His forgiveness and mercy, when then we have the tendency, or we not just the tendency, we will end up becoming judgmental of others. And we can become embittered ourselves. And this means that either your bitterness will kill your appetite for his sweetness or his sweetness will dispel your bitterness. But friends, you can't have it both ways. The solution is always remember how good God has been to you. Never forget that. Never forget that. So remember your first bite. Avoid junk food. And finally, eat the good stuff. While we began with babies, let's conclude with babies. Verse 2, as newborn babies desire the, the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As we mentioned at the start, from the moment of conception, we are growing. And when does the highest rate of human development take place? Infancy. I mean, we see such incredible growth. Mikey, I'm glad you're in the front row there. Because I tell you, you can almost watch the kid grow in real time in front of you. 
And there's a logical reason for this. And I'm sure Amber will agree with me. He eats a lot. <laughs> they crave milk. They want mother's milk. They want these nutrients that the milk provides. Understand that milk for a baby is not a fringe benefit. It's not a bonus. Milk is absolutely essential for their growth. They need milk to cause that growth. And when Peter says, as newborn babies desire the pure milk, he's not saying that you guys are all a bunch of babies. He's not saying that you shouldn't want to eat meaty truths from God's Word, but what he simply is saying is this. And if you're writing this down, or if you're taking notes, this is what you want to write down. I want you to crave God's truth, just like a baby craves milk. Do you do that this morning? Do you crave God's truth as much as a baby craves milk? Because I'll tell you, if you will do that, you will grow. No question. Now, how many of us would agree with this statement? If a baby is hungry, you will know about it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Come on, people. Everyone within earshot will know about it. God has packed in so many incredible things into a baby that cause us to love him. With one exception. Their voice. Have you ever seen a mother say to a crying baby, I just love that scream? I mean, I just literally melt. When you fill up your lungs, you wind up and you just let her rip. It's just so sweet. Any of you? <laughs> but my friends, what that baby is doing is expressing desire. And when Peter says, newborns desire, newborn babies desire, the word desire is in the imperative. Desire is the command that he is giving. You have got to want it. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hunger and thirst are very active, passionate words, right? They're not passive. And what did Jesus say what happened to all those who hungered and thirst, thirsted after righteousness? They will be filled. Those who have that intense desire and appetite, those who want to be filled, will be filled. But I want you to notice something that Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, blessed are those who casually graze. Or blessed are those who occasionally snack. Or blessed are those who sporadically sample. 
Those who only come when a crisis arises. Or my favorite, those picky eaters who only want to eat certain things from his table. None of those will be filled because they don't truly hunger and thirst for it. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be successful in your spiritual life? I'm hoping you're all going to say yes. Do you have that driving desire to grow in your walk with Jesus? Because that really is the key to all of this. Because your growth is directly proportional to your desire for it. And if you want it a lot, then you will grow a lot. And that is why Peter begins with desire. You know, over the years I've known many Christians who've been saved for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, even longer. Yet they really haven't gotten very far in their walk with Jesus. And honestly, some of them don't really care if they go any further. And the image that this evokes in my mind's eye is a full-grown adult walking around in diapers with a binky and a rattle. I mean, that's pretty sad, right? No growth. But you should expect to see growth. You should expect to see development. So for, so for, for those of you here who are believers in Christ, I want you to ask yourself this question right now. Am I in the same place spiritually as I was a year ago? Or five years ago? Or ten years ago? Or am I continually growing? Am I still growing? Can I see the growth in my life and in my walk with Him? Because, friends, if you have indeed tasted that the Lord is good, and if you remember your first taste of His sweet goodness in your life, and if you have removed all those gross, unappetizing fingernails on your plate, and if you have that passionate desire for the pure truth of God's Word, then I guarantee that you will grow. And it could be this morning that some of you have never even taken that first bite. Some of you watching online. Some of you may never have experienced God's salvation and you cannot tell me, this is not for me. If you've never tasted it for yourself. If you've never given God the opportunity to show you His goodness, you don't know. You cannot speak from a point of knowledge. And today could be your day. The day when you surrender your life to Christ. The day when you say, Jesus, I want your forgiveness. I want your peace. I want your hope. I want your joy in my life. You know, I remember uh, years ago at a youth event when I was a youth, so that was a long time ago, but it stuck with me. And the speaker was giving an altar call at the end of the service, and he said something that I 
will not and I have not forgotten. He said, just tell the Lord this. God, I'll give it a go if you give it a go with me. My friends, I can promise you beyond any doubt in my mind, he will answer that prayer beyond your comprehension. And then you can taste and see that the Lord is good for yourself. God, I'll give it a go. If you give it a go with me. Father, I thank you for this wonderful passage that Peter wrote down for us. Even though it's a, a few verses on milk, there's so much meat in it for us to chew on. So much for us to understand. And Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters right now, those that have made a profession of faith. But maybe they just haven't been digging into your word and eating the, the proper nourishment that they need to grow in you. And Lord, the world is throwing so many things our direction. We need to be strong. We need to be courageous. We need to be a finely tuned athlete ready to run the race that you've set before us. And so, Lord, I just pray that if we can't answer that question, that we are growing right now, that we're continually growing, that we're in a better place today with you than we were last year or the year before or before that. Lord, help us to have that intense, passionate desire where we hunger and we thirst after your righteousness, after your word. Lord, I pray for those who have not yet to make that decision, who have not yet experienced your goodness in their life. Lord, there's been so many trials and traumas and struggles in their lives, and they keep, you know, running into the wind and running into brick walls when you just gently want to guide them into green pastures, to lead them and to walk beside them even in the dark times but just to know that sweetness of that relationship that comes from knowing you. And Lord, I just pray right now for them, Lord, that you would just be softening their heart. And if that's you this morning, if you haven't made that decision to follow the Lord, you can as simply as, Lord, I'll give it a go if you give it a go with me. Father, forgive me for my sin. I accept the gift of your son. I accept that sacrifice. Save me, Lord. I can't save myself. So, Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in hearts even right now. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to message us on our Facebook page or on Instagram. God bless.